Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Back to Chelsea podcast, episode 21. Terrific on the time. I'm joined by Jack Davies, as always. How are we doing, fella? Yeah, happy again, mate. Another three points and a clean sheet. So, good weekend. Yep, yep. And we're joined by a guest who I'm sure will be very popular with the listeners, judging by the reaction to when we announced him coming on. It is, of course, RJ, also known to as RJ Good Things. How are we doing, man? Well, we got the big three points. I'm feeling good and I'm feeling very honoured to be on this podcast, guys. So thank you very much for having me. No problem. No problem, RJ. It is our pleasure. RJ is a writer and editor at SW6 Daily. You've probably seen his articles on Twitter and he's also got, you know, a very, you know, positive and quite humorous account as well on Twitter as well. So make sure you follow him. The link to his Twitter will be in the description of this podcast. Right, we got a lot, a hell of a lot of questions this week. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to very briefly summarise the Newcastle game and then we'll literally head into your guys' questions and that will form sort of the discussion and sort of themes of the episode, really. So Chelsea went to St James's Park for the early kickoff. It is historically a bogey ground. We have a terrible record there, but it was not to be Newcastle's day. We had a great start, you know. Werner forced a good save from Darlow, then Tammy missed, you know, missed a great chance from a great Z8 delivery. We finally took the lead with Mace Mount whipping in a delicious ball for Fernandez to tuck into his own net. Werner missed another glorious chance to kill the game off and make it 2-0, but at halftime it was 1-0 and it was fairly comfortable with Newcastle offering pretty much nothing. The second half started and Newcastle created some chances. Hayden smashed over the bar from close range. And you, was, you did almost think, was, oh, is it going to be another case of deja vu? But Werner gets the ball. He drives with the ball. He lays it off to Tammy to slot home past Darlow. It's 2-0. 
Chelsea have got three points. We briefly go top of the table before Spurs have just beaten Manchester City in the evening game. N'Golo Kante was phenomenal. Rhys James had another solid game. And to be honest, everyone had a very solid 7 out of 10 performance. Whew, catch my breath. Right, we're going to go into the questions because there were a lot of good questions. And a lot of you guys specifically asked about Tammy Abraham's performance. Um, so the first question ego comes in from Connark, who asks, do you think Tammy Abraham is making a really good case for starting week in, week out now? Jack, I'll throw this one to you. Yeah, definitely, mate. I mean, I think that's, that's three in a row in the Premier League, isn't it? I think so. If the man keeps scoring every game, he's going to be starting the next game. So, I mean, I think, I think he's been top class this season. When he's had his chance, he's taken it. And, um, yeah, it's just been a joy to watch, to be fair. So I think I think those boys that are coming back from injury like Pulisic, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be easy for them to get straight back into this team at all. They're gonna they're gonna have to do what Tammy did, I think, and try and make impacts off the bench and then see where they go. But yeah, no, he's been been, been different gravy, I think, this season. Um and long may it continue. Yeah, obviously we got about four questions on Tammy, so I'm sort of gonna combine him into one topic here. So the follow-up to that was from Kings Road Blue, who asked, "What was your view on Abraham this season compared to one to the one of last season?" RJ, I'll give this one to you. Yeah, sure. So look, the thing with Tammy is, you know, last season he came under not as much pressure, given we're going through a transition season. You know, well now this time round. He's got some better, arguably, world-class partners and lieutenants around him. But for me, what I've been most impressed about is his response to the increased competition, whereas he might feel entitled where, you know, he delivered a reasonably good output last season, was made to start off a second fiddle, but rather than, you know, throw his, you know, toys in the bath tank, as they say, or out of the bathtub, he responded positively and now he's actually delivered as you know Jack mentioned before and I think now he's definitely a, a contender for a starter going forward until he's proven otherwise you know and what I love about this team just quickly is that no place is guaranteed and the competition is fierce and that's so important if we want to achieve something special this season yep yep no I agree with you definitely um, you see some someone like Rudiger come in today and not played much football. I think I think I heard them say on commentary he's played more football for Germany this season than for us. And and I thought he was class today as well. It just shows that players like that are buying into what Frank's got to do as well. I know he he wanted to leave over the summer, but um, yeah, I thought he was class as well. That just backs up what on. RJ was saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another Tammy question: How much has the influence of Olivier Giroud improved Tammy's hold-up play? It's certainly something, you know, Jack and I have mentioned in the pod that there does his, his all-round game certainly seems to improve. Again, RJ, I'll throw that one to you. Yeah, look, I think from what I've seen is that, you know, a striker, you know, is predominantly brought in, let's face it, to add on the score sheet, whether it's an actual goal or it's an assist. Whereas what we've seen from a lot of Tammy last season was that he's more of a finisher in the purest sense Whereas now we've definitely seen a lot more of those Giroud-esque attributes and been able to better link in with his players. For example, I actually thought 
the assist he laid off the other week for Ziyech was brilliant. The way he's been able then to link up with, you know, Werner and getting the most with him out on the left-hand side, I think we're very much seeing the benefits of how Giroud is helping improve his all-round game. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree on that. Next question comes in from Andrew, good friend of the pod, who asks, how many Premier League goals will Timo finish with this season and will Tammy be within five goals of him? So, Werner's on four or five, four, four or five yeah. Premier League goals and Tammy's got three at the moment. So, I guess, Jack, how many goals do you think Werner will end up with this season? Um, well, if you're going off, we played nine games so far. He should be should be hitting around fifteen, shouldn't he? Projected. Um, but then again, I don't think he's fully fully got up and running yet. Um, so I think he'll definitely have a patch where he's starts bagging a lot of goals this season. So maybe he might be pushing for twenty. Hope we hope we hope he will because that would give us. I'm sure those goals would win us some very important points, and then. Tammy as well, just he's just got to keep doing what he's doing, and if he can get anywhere close to Werner, then I mean that's two strikers, two strikers getting a lot of goals, and we haven't had that in a long time. Yeah, um, RJ. Yeah, I think that's it's, a, it's actually a good question because I think for now we seem to have landed on a pretty good solution system-wise, formation-wise, but for me the the X factor or the the variable unknown is what happens once Pulisic comes back. Because obviously, what does that mean in terms of Werner's long-term place in the team? In other words, does he go back into the central position or does Tammy Abraham now have a bit of a mortgage given his recent form? So to answer Andrew's question, I think Werner will hit in between that 15 to 20 league goal range. And but I definitely think the way Tammy Abraham's going, it's you know, it's not totally unrealistic to think that he's going to be within a couple of goals within him. He's just been fantastic so far. So fingers crossed, they both keep spurring each other on. Yeah, you mentioned about you know what happens with sort of when Pulisic comes back. We actually got a couple of questions on that from Adam and L Gaffer, sort of asking what happens to Tammy when Pulisic is fit and does Pulisic just walk straight back into the team Jack I'll give that one to you first I think I just mentioned it earlier I don't think he does come straight back into the team when when the team's performing like we have been over the last few weeks it's silly to just go and change it straight away um, we need to build on the momentum that we're gaining at the moment I think is that five five consecutive wins is it in the Prem was it uh, something like that? Five five wins in a row, not in consecutive in the Premier. Oh, five, right. wins in a row right. yeah. five wins in a row. Um, and we just need to keep building on it. It's an, honestly, I can't stress enough how big this game is next weekend. It's huge for our season. So, um, yeah. But going back to the question, sorry, I I don't think I don't think he does go straight into the team. It, although the quality he's got, uh, he's diff- he's he's quality player Pulisic but he's he's had more more than one injury already this season so again I don't think it's worth sort of risking it and chucking him straight in but at the same time um, I think he's got to earn his place so he's got to come off the bench and make an impact like the others have this season yeah and RJ it'll, and it'll be justified yeah RJ I'll give that one to you as well yeah I think you touched on a, very, a couple of very good elements there that I, I definitely agree with the first one being 
you know, this is, this is a culture question or a culture issue we need to manage carefully. And what I mean by that is, yes, Pulisic is a superstar and he's one of our top, top talents. But, but the way we've been performing, not just the results, but the performance-wise, the convincing displays we've been putting in, I think we, Frank needs to be very careful in terms of not just Pulisic, but anyone that gets injured doesn't have an automatic right to get back in because I think it sends the wrong message to those that are currently performing at the very high standard that they have been. So once that standard drops, that makes it a little bit easier then to talk about people coming straight back in. But I think just the way that the, the guys have been playing up front, it's not an automatic guarantee for Pulisic despite his superstar status. And on the second theme that you touched on, it's from an injury management perspective. So I think this actually could be a bit of a blessing in disguise for Pulisic in the sense that he has the ability to ease his way back into the 90 minutes, even though we know how competitive he is. But given how good the team's going, there's less pressure on him to have to come in and be the hero to save us. So I think it actually can be a bit of a blessing in disguise that he gets eased back slowly, slowly and reaches his full peak again, fingers crossed. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you there. There's a sort of second question from El Gaffey who asked, can we seriously rely on Emerson or Alonso as a number two? So I uh, back up to Chilwell. We obviously saw Chilwell get uh, withdrawn late on for a bit of rest and uh, Emerson came on in his place. As for Luqueta, interestingly, left on the bench. Um, Jack? I know RJ just said earlier that there's heavy competition in every position, but I think this is the one that there is no competition whatsoever. If Chilwell's fit, he's going to be on that team sheet straight away. Um, I mean, you saw today with Emerson coming on, there was one, one time he dropped a bit a bit deep and was playing playing someone on side. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I think... Uh, yeah, I think we, we've got a problem if, if Chilwell gets injured and one of those two's got to play. But I mean, on the other side, I would I would if I was Frank, I'd then put I'd generally put Azpilicueta at left back. He's played left back in his Chelsea career before and I think he'd do a better job there. So I I'd stick with him if if, uh, if Chilwell needs rest or or if he picks up an injury or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And uh, our good friend Lou would also probably certainly agree regarding Mr. Emerson. Um, RJ? <laughs> Firstly, did I actually say that we had depth in every position? Because if I did, that was obviously an outlier. So first, thanks for <laughs> clarifying. Um, no, in all seriousness, though, I, I do agree. Um, yeah, look, I'm of, for those that don't know, on the call that are listening, that I am of Italian heritage and I've actually seen a few good displays of Emerson, unfortunately in the wrong type of blue. Um, you know, good for me being of Italian heritage, not so sensational him playing in a Chelsea jersey. But I think for us, I would definitely say that's an area we need an uplift in, in terms of having a backup. I do agree that Azpilicueta should be the natural choice. But again, that's not a very long-term solution because it's stretching us quite thin if we have only one viable backup for either side. So, yeah, definitely an improvement opportunity, I think. Perhaps Matt Martson will come good in time. Yeah, yeah. obviously Ian Martson out on loan this season. Uh, next question comes in from Chelsea Nath. 
brilliant, brilliant account on Twitter. Make sure you drop him a follow. Uh, he says, another solid performance from Kovacic. Do you guys still think he has a pivotal role in this Chelsea team? Jack, I've got a feeling we answered a question very similar to this last yeah. time out on the pod. Um, my answer's, you know, not changed. I think, you know, again, from him today, I don't think he was as good as he was against Sheffield United. There was one moment in the first half where he played north, a poor ball and actually led to a, a chance for Newcastle. But I do think he had a, just a solid, yeah, a solid 7 out of 10 performance. Like, to be fair, quite a lot of them did today. You know, we talk about Kovacic. For me, he's a squad player at the moment because I want to see Mount and Havertz in sort of those roles. So being that's sort of the best for this team. But obviously, he's got a pivotal role to play because of the congestion of all the games. We're playing a game every three days at the moment. And with this schedule, he's obviously going to need to come in. And to be fair, we've sort of seen these last two games. We've not really missed Kai Havertz hugely. So, so in answer to that question, I do think he's got a... He's got a big role to play, but I'm not, you know, marking him down as, you know, I think I'm not marking down as crucial as, you know, someone like Kante or Ziyech or one of the main starters for me. What about you? Yeah, no, I totally agree with what you said. Definitely, mate. Um, he's had, he has had two good performances, which, which in a sense is really good that we haven't, we haven't looked like we've missed the players like Havertz that much. That's 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 what I'd say to take out of it. That's the massive positive, is that he's put in decent performances that haven't made us look weaker as a team. So yeah, like you said, I'm I don't want to like ramble on about it, but I think he's a squad player as well. But he'll still have an important important role to play. Yeah, RJ, if you know if you yeah. add to that. Yeah, just quickly, I think I actually might have been the one that submitted this coverage question to you guys, which you debated. And at the time, I was thinking to myself, oh, I'd really love to be on this pod to debate this, you know, because for me, I'm, I'm a little bit torn in the sense that, you know, I believe our Croatian sensation, as I like to dub him, I think he's really, he has stepped up in terms of, you know, playing in a, in a lesser familiar position, given we know since he's joined, he's played a little bit deeper. And, you know, I think the way he's, I think you called it, Jack, the way he's been able to sort of, you know, bridge the gap and not notice Havertz's absence as much is a credit to him, given the familiarity issues with playing in a more advanced position. And I actually like, the way he's starting to link up with your Ziyech's and, you know, he played a really nice dummy last night that, you know, led to RJ, the real RJ, that is getting up on the right-hand side and playing a nice <laughs> ball to Ziyech who done that cutback and went out for a corner. And he also played that very nice progressive key pass up to Mount who fashioned that chance but scuffed it, you might recall. So the long and short of it is I don't think he necessarily has cemented a starting spot. But what I think he's done really well and credit to him is he's given Frank some food for thought, especially as we hit these last 10 games heading into the calendar year. So I think the more and more he keeps producing those kinds of displays, this then just supports that broader narrative of spots are up for grabs. So everybody's got to keep performing at that very high level. So, yeah, I still think he could be pivotal for the squad. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, make some great points. You know, I think of Jack and I've said just if he can sort of, you know, improve those numbers in the final third. Like we, we saw him score two goals for Croatia in the international break. If we can sort of start, you know, improving those final third numbers, then for sure he can definitely, you know, potentially even, you know, earn a regular starting spot back. But I will also allude to the fact that he did only start 23 Premier League games for Chelsea last season. So he was far yeah. from a regular then as well. Um, Absolutely. Next question comes in from Anna. She's a big Olivier Giroud fan, so hence the question she asks. Do you think Olivier Giroud has a future at Chelsea as he's spent so much time on the bench this season? Uh, quick answer, Jack. Um, for long-term goals, no. But if he can come on in the last 10 minutes of games, uh, and as you said, like the bulk of games we've got coming up, then he can always provide something extra, something a bit different hold up the ball, et cetera, if you want to kill kill time, things like that. So short-term, yes, long-term, no. Fair enough. RJ? Yeah, so I, I agree. Short-term, i.e. over the next year, then, yep, I think he can hang around. But just given how Abraham's going and how Werner's going, I think that it's best for all parties if, if you know, I think yeah. Giroud, if he wants to keep playing, we might need to look for other yeah, and you, alternatives definitely and you want to see him play for France at the Absolutely. at the Euros at the World Cup etc so if he if yeah. he wants to keep playing for them then I think for him he's he needs to go somewhere else yeah exactly yeah, but just to be yeah, yeah just sorry just to be clear though you know I have nothing but total respect and admiration for the contribution mm. and the total professional he is so I think, yeah, definitely plays at a very high level. And I just think that I'd like to see him do that. But our current situation doesn't, I think, allow him to fully realise that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. Played a massive part in our season last year. But ultimately, I'll probably surplus to requirements at the moment. Uh, next question comes in from Kamal, another good friend of the pod, who asks, on a scale of one to prime Brazil... How excited are you about this, about this team, knowing Pulisic, Havertz and Silva didn't even feature against Newcastle? I mean, you know, I was nervous before the game. I'll be honest, I'm, this is the one fixture every season I'm normally marked down as an automatic loss, along with Everton away, <laughs> because it's just a nightmare game. Um, on a scale of one to prime, one to prime Brazil? Um, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's not quite prime Brazil excited because it's yeah. not a great Newcastle team. They did have Callum Wilson out injured, but, you know, I guess getting close there, Jack. Yeah, we're edging towards prime Brazil, definitely. Uh, I think that we've said it already. It's the, it's the fact that you can see the mentality within this team has just changed. And the fact that these players have come in and played so well um, and we haven't looked like missing these boys, it just shows that the, com the competition between the players and how hard they must be training against each other. And that's only going to improve these other players when they come back as well, because they're going to have to train harder to start these games. And that, that just, it's just a ripple effect, I think. And just that will make us play better. We'll pick up more points and hopefully we'll go on a bit of a title charge. We'll have to see. Yeah. Um, RJ, is there, is, where, where are you on that sort of bizarre scale of Kamal's? 
Well, I would have liked Kamal, to be honest, and he's a good friend. I would have liked him to use, you know, one of the most famous Chelsea signs as his, you know, gold standard. So maybe on, you know, 1 to 2004, 2005, Chelsea would have been maybe a nice end of that scale. So, but that's a side note. Look, to be honest, very excited. Very, very excited. And why I'm excited, and I'm usually very measured in my assessment of things generally, but... We can't ignore the fact that the way that they've continued to progress without certain key players that Kamal mentioned, that if, if that doesn't cause great optimism within our fan base, I'm struggling to find what will. I just think that beyond the actual results, which is obviously super important, it's the manner in which we're performing, which I'm most excited about, and the resilience defensively. Again, like, mm-hmm. I just thought our mentality last night against a very traditionally tricky opposition at a very difficult location, we did not look to be scared. And I thought that's such an important thing to see how confident the boys are going. So, yeah, very excited, guys. Yeah, seeing Andy Carroll come on for, for once didn't actually send shivers down my spine, which was quite a nice feeling, although he did really <laughs> score at the end. Uh, Kamal's yes. follow-up question to that is, how good is this defence slash can it be? Is it, you know, considering we've had an amazing run of late, is it luck or is it down to the level of opponent we have played? Um, Jack? That's a tough one. I mean, we've, we haven't even, even really talked about it yet. Like, we haven't bigged up. That's another clean sheet. Yep. Another clean sheet. I we're just racking them up at the moment. Um, I think, I think people like like Thiago Silva. We said it before. Just him coming in and having that winning mentality and the leadership skills is, that must have been a, a huge impact on that on that defense, hundred percent. But then again, going back to the question as well, like some of the opponents we've played, like Newcastle, they've been poor. Um, they don't provide much attacking threat for the last season and a half under Bruce. I know my friend Maka absolutely hates him. So um, we'll, we'll wait and see after these next four or five fixtures because we've got some big games coming up against some uh, some some higher, higher opposition, if you like. So I think we can judge it a bit better after those five or six games. Yeah. Um, before I go to RJ, I'm also going to sort of throw this question back because it came in it's very similar from Dan, who asked, to what extent do you think Thiago Silva has affected the mentality of a back four? Is it purely down to him? Do you think it's a combination of him, Mendy, and the addition of Anthony Barry? I'll sort of throw those two questions in there to you. Yeah, so, you know, it's a, it's a good question, actually. And I think, yeah, it is a combo. It's definitely a combo because it's ultimately a team sport, notwithstanding that one player or two players might have a heavier influence over another. But I think just the way that obviously Silver from a leadership perspective, we're not obviously at Cobham, so we can't talk to the actual direct influence of Barry, but from all accounts, from what I've read and heard, the way that he's been able to organise them during training, which we can see the end product in terms of not only how defensively organized we are in defending said pieces but as I wrote in one of my key themes pieces was around how we've been able to utilize set pieces to our advantage i.e zoom has been very very effective going forward and obviously it's great to have a 
a really solid and commanding goalkeeper between the sticks, which gives confidence to the rest of the players that every time we don't, you know, every time we concede a chance, we're not actually going to concede a goal. So that answers that one. In terms of the, you know, the run and the, you know, the luck factor and who we're playing, the way I look at it is, you only play what's in front of you, and in, in, in actually, based on how uncertain the current fixture list is and how up and down teams are going, even though we're versing the, you know, all due respect, the lesser teams, if you will, based on form, etc. This season has shown that it's not a straightforward proposition. So the fact that we are picking up these wins against these, you know, traditionally easier teams, quote unquote, is just, it's a credit to us that we're, you know, we're making it look a bit more straightforward than what the current climate is. Yes, we'll have sterner tests and I'm very guarded on that. But for now, we can only, again, deliver what's in front of us and just try to continue to, you know, gain that momentum. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, next question. Try and, we'll try and keep this one a bit uh, briefer. Jay, who was on the pod last time out, says, who was your man of the match? BT gave it to Tammy, but I'd say Kante should have got it. Jack, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I was saying this, to uh, talking to my dad when we were watching, just sitting on the sofa, and I was like, they'll give it to Tammy because he scored a goal. Uh, they like to give it to the attacking players, but Kante was, was class today. Um, back to back to doing what he does best. I mean, I sent into our group chat of, of uh, some stats of him just came up before the game about his interceptions. How fifteen sixteen at uh, at Leicester, then sixteen seventeen at Chelsea, and seventeen eighteen he was first, second, and first. And then the last two seasons he's been seventeenth and fifteenth for in, this for interceptions. And then this season he's first again. So. We've said it, just literally play him in his right position, let him do what he do, does best, and then just let him play the simple passes to the other players that can then go and affect the game further up the pitch. Yeah, I'll give an honourable mention to Reese James. I just think he keeps getting better every single week. Again, defensively solid, dealt with the threat of Alan and Maximan pretty easily, put in a couple of dangerous balls. Reese. Yeah, I'd say my man's match was probably N'Golo, but I would have Reese right behind him. Uh, RJ, what about you? Who was your man of the match? Yeah, totally in sync with you both. I actually said that in my group chat with our SW6 Daily teammates that, yeah, definitely Kante was like the everywhere man again, but not just the everywhere man. I actually thought that he disrupted the place sensationally, which was acknowledged by the commentators gratefully, but also... I noticed he played a lot of very good progressive key passes and I just think that's such an underrated part of his game. He's not going to be pinging in these, you know, assists mm. or playing these Fabregas passes, but those initial quick key passes to release our more attacking players yeah. is very unnoticed, I think, or underrated. But also, like you said, um, Nick there, Reese James gets better game by game and defensively, I thought there was that one passage where he was positioned on a two-on-one and the way he was able to hold them off, use his pace and strength to thwart the situation was brilliant. So, yeah, credit to him. Yeah. Okay, next question comes in from Jam, who was also on the pod last time out. Uh, he said, with a stupendous amount of games in December, how much game time would you, as Frank Lampard, give these players and how much do you think they will get? So he's given us a list. I'll just assign you boys a player so we don't spend too much on it. Um, 
I'll start with you, RJ. Cesar Azpilicueta. Oh, good one. Um, yeah, I have a lot of respect for Cesar. I would like, without disrupting the balance too much, but as I mentioned earlier, I understand we do have 10 games leading up until the end of the calendar year. So I probably would like to see him start a couple of games, either left or right. And what I'm thinking is, you know, up against Krasnodar in the Champions League would be one of those prime examples. But yeah, I definitely think there is scope for him to come in and give Reese James and or Ben Chilwell a bit of a breather. Okie doke. Uh, Jack Emerson. Um, <laughs> I think I've covered that. Yeah, <laughs> Just, uh, as yeah. little as possible, <laughs> ideally. From, uh, from our perspective, RJ obviously might differ on that one. Uh, Andreas Christensen. I'm going to again say it as little as possible. Yeah. Jack, yeah. RJ. Yeah, I mean, it's clear Rudiger's the one that's going to come in. And then, if not him, I think it'll be Tamori. So, yeah, I think he's frozen out at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, my thoughts, too. Uh, speaking of, Fikaro Tamori, how much? Um, well, you know, I'm going to keep banging on that. I would rather see him play ahead of Rudiger. But obviously, we don't see what goes on at training. Rudiger's put in two solid performances when he started. So I would like to see Tamori get, you know, maybe the Krasnodar game if we've, say, well, I mean, we should have secured quite yeah. that maybe if we've even secured top sport in the Champions League group, that might be a game for him. But it's a tough one for him, really. And I think he needs that loan in January. Uh, yeah. Cal Hudson Adoy, this is a tough one. Because I think we need to give Werner a rest soon. I'll give this one to RJ first. Yeah, no, nah, spot on. I was actually, you know, we saw Werner miss a couple of chances last time and people were calling for freshness. I was one of them at one point where he squandered that one-on-one where he squared it to the edge, failed miserably. But I think <laughs> he he looked pretty lively. I don't know what you guys thought, but I thought he looked pretty lively, Kalamatsu, when he came on without, yeah. you know, obviously the direct end product. So I definitely think he has a few minutes in him. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm. You know, I think you know with the schedule, Bernard can't play with him. I've, I know. I think maybe Leeds at home that could be a potential game for him, especially mm-hmm. the way Leeds will play. Um, Olivier Giroud, we've sort of touched upon earlier, and so the final one. I don't think I've already asked this. Jorginho, you know, he's sort of been. You know, is he? He is one of the harder ones to explain because he started the team. He started in the team. Then he was out. Then he was in. And now he sort of seems out of fa- you know, out of favour at the moment. Um, Jack? Yeah, it's a weird one because just when you think, oh, he's not going to play for a sustained amount of games, he's, he's back in for some, some reason or other. So, I don't know. We'll have to see. I think the thing that he brings as well is he is a leader. He demands the best of everyone. So, it, I don't know. I know a lot of Chelsea fans don't rate him, but... I think he can bring something extra, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm not sure, to be honest. I, don't, I can't really decide on that one. Yeah. Um, RJ, you've got... put, put, this, put it this way. I'd rather see the others. So Yeah. RJ, you've got any, perhaps any more clearer thoughts on that one? Yeah, sure. And I have been thinking about it quite a bit. Um, he, does, he does divide me, my fellow countrymen, admittedly. But um, I do think he has some unique attributes. And... You know, agreed, I think we can agree he's not in our best 11, certainly not at this stage. But what I think, where I think he can benefit us, sorry, is that 
he might be the guy, depending on how we're managing games, where he could come on and, and help relieve the pressure or the fatigue from players like Kante or Kovacic, Mount Havertz, and just really help close out games and use his class and leadership to see the result out. So I do think there is a role for him still, at least in the short term. Yeah, fair enough. Right. Next question comes in from our, and I saw this and I thought this is a brutal question. How close are we seeing to it? How close are we to seeing a rebirth of the Anelka Drogba partnership in Werner and Abraham? I just got flashbacks to, 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 to play part of the football we played under Carlo then. Um, I mean, it's a bit, a bit of a way to go. I mean, you know, yeah, I guess it's yeah. this role we're sort of comparing Abraham to Drogba, you know, so I think that's <laughs> maybe a bit steady on. And then, you know, Werner, while no doubt, you know, Werner and Anelka probably perhaps slightly easier to to compare. But again, Werner, again, being out wide, not perhaps his natural position. Um, don't, don't want to jump ahead of myself. Who knows? It's exciting, though. It's exciting and it's an exciting option that we have. Jack, anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, I think I just said it earlier that if those two boys can get double figures close to twenty, then it that that is literally the first first time we've had two two forward players getting numbers like that since Drogba and Anelka. So it's just one of those, like we said, it's exciting and hopefully it continues. Yeah, RJ, anything you want to briefly add to that? No, not really. You guys had it covered pretty well. Probably the one thing I'd note differently is that. I think this team shows uh, probably and controversially, I think, I think slightly higher, you know, variety in terms of where the goals are coming from, notwithstanding how good Werner and Abraham's contributions are. So I'll just add that to the mix. Fair enough. Uh, the final question comes in from the great guys at 1905. Make sure you check out their podcast. What did you think about the Rudiger-Zuma partnership? Um, I'll be quick on this. I don't want it to be, you know, obviously Silver Zuma is a first choice partnership for me. Uh, Rudiger and Zuma were solid today. And, you know, last season, I think statistically they were like the best or second best behind Zuma and Tamori. So there's clearly, you know, something okay there. I do both think, though, that, you know, they need a leader next to them. They can be a bit rash. Um, Jack, anything you want to add? No, I think we've covered that one. It's just Thiago Silva's the main man. So it's going to be him and Zuma. But, Fair play to Rudiger today, came in and put in a solid performance. Yeah, RJ? Yeah, spot on, guys. I, I do think, and I've said this to a few people now, it's good that Tony's been playing at reasonably well in place of Silva, but I genuinely believe it's from a resale perspective, but happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, okay. Final question will be quick on this one. How would you rate our defensive adjustments over the last six to seven matches so I guess we're just you know uh very good I think you know we're giving up less chances I don't you know I think less clear-cut chances anyway I think apart from that sort of Hayden one which was a bit fluky and would have been disallowed anyway for handball but he hit over bar I can't remember them giving away a great chance against them and I can't really remember us giving away huge chances that went unpunished in sort of this run of five wins in a row um Jack yeah I think those two nil-nil draws just have set the tone and that's really, that could be the changing point in our season when we look back on it. So, um, yeah, I mean, the change has been class. So we want to just keep keeping those clean sheets. Like you said, with the chances, I think people just see, look in the goal and see Mendy and people know 
the saves he's pulled off since he's come in and those people don't want to take those long shots anymore that they would with Kepa because they think, oh, it might have a chance of going in. Yeah. Okay, well, that wraps up this episode of that Chelsea podcast. Sorry it's a bit shorter, but we know RJ has got other commitments and we don't want to keep him longer than he needs to. So, RJ, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, briefly, do you want to plug your Twitter so that people can follow you there? Yeah, cheers, guys. So, it's if you're interested in looking up any of my info, it's at RJ underscore good things. Yeah. Nice one. And make sure you guys follow us at that Chelsea pod on Twitter. And until the next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.